a modern seller is someone who is really recognized uh, in the in the marketplace by their clients, by their prospective clients, is someone who is a difference maker. You're a recognized difference maker. You're also somebody where the value of the product or service that you sell, it, it, you have to be a part of it. It can't be separated from you. Welcome to the Making Sales Social Podcast, featuring the top voices in sales and marketing. Join hosts Bryn Tillman and Bill McCormick as they discuss the best tips and strategies they are teaching their clients so you can leverage them for your own virtual and social selling. Here are your hosts, Bryn Tillman and Bill McCormick. Welcome to Making Sales Social. I'm Bill McCormick. I'm Bryn Tillman. So Bryn, tell us who's joining us today. I am so excited to have Amy Franco joining us. She is definitely one of the top voices in sales. I have been following her for years and years and years. Uh, if you don't know who Amy Franco is, you must be living under a rock. Um, or, you know, it's time to like come out and meet her. I met um, for in real life. I met Amy at a women's sales pros event. Um, the last probably big, big event that I went to uh, before shutdown, but really excited to have her as a guest today. Amy, welcome to Making Sales Social. Thank you both for having me. I saw this on my calendar today and I was so excited to be here with the two of you. Yeah. So tell everyone a little bit about you and, and it, your kind of how you became this huge sales personality in, in the ether world, as well as the real world, like you're everywhere. <laughs> Uh, you are so kind. And uh, when we were talking a little bit on the pre-show, uh, Bryn and I were sharing that like we've been in each other's orbits now for a long time. And we got the opportunity to meet in person and like our friendship and relationship has just taken off. So um, so I'm a huge Bryn Tillman fan uh, myself. Um, just a little bit about me professionally. Uh, for the first 10 years of my career, I grew up in tech. So I was a, um, a quota carrying salesperson. And I also have some IT in my background as well. So uh, programming, things of that nature. But, but grew up in tech, worked for IBM, worked for Lenovo um, it, it, as a salesperson. So I called on a mix of the different types of corporate and public sector uh, accounts selling personal computing technology. And then about 15 years ago, I got the entrepreneurial uh, bug. I took the leap into owning my own firm, took a little bit of a pivot into the learning and development space. And that has just evolved and morphed uh, over the years. And uh, what it looks like today, nearly 15 years later, which is hard to believe, is that I work primarily with uh, mid-market sized organizations. And I work with their CEOs and their sales leaders and their teams. And it ranges from things related to sales strategy, just certain things in the business that they're looking to solve for, and uh, skill development. So I, I really focus on helping them grow their organization, grow their people, and it's all in sales and sales leadership, which I absolutely love. That's awesome. And you are known for being brilliant at all of that. We love to interview salespeople's salespeople. So you are a salesperson for salespeople. So that's great. So Amy, we ask every guest the same first question to, to kick things off. What does making sales social mean to you? Really for me, as I think about the different types of selling, that I've done over the years. And this is it's kind of kind of the winding road. I guess my career has taken a little bit. I've had the opportunity to do corporate enterprise level selling. I've had the opportunity to do what I consider more entrepreneurial selling. 
which is which is you know all me as the business owner. And I've also had the opportunity to do professional services selling. And I would say the common thread in all of that to come back to answer your question is that it truly does come down to identifying and building the right relationships. And I would also say that it's really equally as important to make sure that you're building uh, social capital, uh, whether you're a sales professional or a sales leader or, or a CEO. That's awesome. I love everything that you put out there, but I want to talk, I want to just start for a second and talking about you have coined the phrase, the modern seller. You have the incredible book, the modern seller. Tell us a little bit about what modern selling means versus the traditional selling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I get, I, you know, I, I love talking about this question um, because it's like, well, if I'm not a modern seller, what are, what are my other options? Right. <laughs> so, so as I think about what modern selling means, I, I, I put it into three categories. A modern seller is someone who is really recognized uh, in the, in the marketplace by their clients, by their prospective clients, is someone who is a difference maker. You're a recognized difference maker. You're also somebody where the value of the product or service that you sell, you have to be a part of it. It can't be separated from you, which means if you're selling something that's purely transactional, you can be separated from the sale. Mm -hmm. In modern selling, I believe that you can't. And then the last piece is, um, are you really someone who is seen as sort of a a secret, secret weapon uh, for for your clients or your prospective clients, they just couldn't imagine doing business without you. And when you come back to the, you know, what makes you know what makes selling social, that whole modern seller definition really tie, ties into that because that that's one part of what a modern seller has to do. There's one word that that comes to me when you say all three of those of those pieces, and it's credibility. You know, really, if you have credibility, I think it was Keenan that said, you know, relationship, having relationships with your clients is great. Having credibility is better. Relationships, they'll go out and have dinner with you or go pick off with you. But when you have credibility, they're who you call at two in the morning when they're when they're having that problem. So I'm curious, you know, when you're training sales reps, what are some things that you you tell them they need to do to start establishing that credibility to start, you know, being recognized, being of value and being seen as a secret weapon? Yeah, yeah. To, to kind of pull on that thread, I, I, I really like that differentiation between building a relationship with someone and being a credible expert that they can rely on. I've seen too many times where someone says like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm very focused on relationships, which is important. But you can't just be focused on relationships without having the expertise and the credibility that backs that up because your client, your customer is not going to rely on you just because you have a relationship. You're not going to win the business just because you have a relationship. It's it's one, one ingredient. So coming back to answer your question, um, when I'm working with my clients and you know, if I, I have, a, I have a, a virtual or an in-person room of people and we're talking about relationship building, the first thing I'm going to ask them is to take a look at their pipeline. So tell me about your pipeline. Tell me what opportunities are in your pipeline. And then I'm going to ask you, in each of these opportunities, do you know that you have all the right relationships or are you potentially missing some relationships that could lead this opportunity uh, down down the wrong down the wrong path in the pipeline, if you will. 
So I would say that that's getting people focused in on what are the right relationships to be building, because oftentimes I find people feel like they're on a little bit of a relationship building treadmill. Where do I start? What skills do I need? So I focus people in on their pipeline and their opportunities first to give them a track to run on. I love that. So we know that the challenger customer tells us there are 6.8 decision makers on every company. Something like that. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> and that's, that's what their research told us, right? So what do you recommend? So you're working with someone on their pipeline and you're like, okay, you've got a couple of relationships here. Maybe they're influencers. Like, What are some of the, the tactical things that you recommend to the salespeople to ensure that they're talking to the right 6.8 or whatever their number is? Right. Wherever that 0.8 person is hanging out, where do we find them? Okay. We're on a really <laughs> big diet. They? Where are they? <laughs> so, so yeah, so I, I get them thinking about relationship ecosystems first. For any given client, for any given opportunity, there are there's an ecosystem of different relationships. Some are inside the organization and some are outside the organization. So very tactically, what I have them looking at first are what I call the four high impact relationships. Those are your decision makers, your centers of influence, your advocates, and your strategic alliances just something very tactical that they could focus in on. And can you name people in each of those roles inside that organization or that opportunity? Sometimes the strategic alliances are outside the organization, but the whole goal is, can you name roles and name people? And where do you have strengths and where do you have gaps? So that's very tactically where, where, I'll, where I'll point them first. Do you use LinkedIn to do a lot of that research? Oh, yes. Uh, LinkedIn, I use um, for myself, I use Navigator and I use LinkedIn. So every, every client's a little bit different in what they have access to, but at a minimum, I have them looking at LinkedIn to see how they're connected, who they're connected through, and are they connected through people inside their organization? That, that's often an untapped source mm -hmm. of connectivity, especially in some of the larger organizations that I work with. But yes, the short answer is yes. You can LinkedIn to do all of that work. I just kind of want to expand on that a little bit because I think that's so, so very important. And you're right. It's a very critical piece of the puzzle to make sure that you have built relationships beyond your decision maker. LinkedIn tells us that there's a 20% turnover year over year. That means one out of the five of your champions in that pipeline are leaving, right? That's yeah. a lot, right? So we talk about socially surrounding inside of an organization and making sure that you're deep and wide and you're building rapport throughout. And LinkedIn is such a fabulous way to kind of buy your map, to find those people and connect. Yeah, and, and one of the things you just reminded me of, of something else I'll often do is when you're looking at your relationships, are, are they, do you tend to build relationships with people who are of influence or do you tend to build relationships with people who are of decision-making authority? You, you need both. But oftentimes what I find is that in some of the clients I'm working with, they are very, they have a lot of influencer type relationships, but not enough higher level decision-making authority, budget authority, decision-making authority type relationships. So that's awesome. We, you know, the social proximity to our buyers and influencers is really important, right? Who's connected to those decision-makers, to those influencers and making sure we leverage our existing relationships to gain access is I think essential to making sure that they're optimizing what you're teaching. Looking to up your LinkedIn game? The Social Sales Link team has you covered with our LinkedIn Sales Accelerator, 
a guided social selling program that includes training, coaching, and so much more. Visit socialsaleslink.com slash in for more details. Again, that's socialsaleslink.com slash in. And on your point about the champions or the advocates, I, I, I call them advocates, and I think that we probably are talking about the same thing here. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I had I had this big local client here, and you know, large organization, complex, it's very matrix, which probably a lot of our listeners and are deal with. And so I had one really great advocate. Like she introduced me to so many people in the organization. She was one of those people that was always telling me, here's what's coming around the corner. Here are potential opportunities. Well, she retired. She uh, she she rolled off into the sunset and became became an author and she retired. Well, what I realized very quickly was I needed another one of those and I only had one. And it took me a while to rebuild that that type of advocate champion relationship. Ends up that you're almost kind of building that rapport again, you know, all over again. Even though you have all this goodwill with the work you've done with them before, then the new person doesn't know that. In fact, one of the things we tell our clients all the time is to watch notifications for people changing jobs because that's a great time for people coming into a new position that they're more open to change. And so for the salespeople listening, that's a good reason to go wide and go deep in an organization, because if you're only connected to one person, that new person, they're going to be more apt to change. And you don't want them to do that in that situation. Great point. Great point. Yeah. And be stuck in that situation, which I think happens to a lot of us. Uh, we are actually, and we, we do a pretty good job of deep and wide, but we have a really, we had a verbal on a big deal and our decision maker left. Right. And so yes. now we're like pushed to October and, you know, we are connected to other people in the organization who are willing to have the conversation, but you know, it's always, you know, you're like literally uh, Bill and I were saying earlier today, when did we have the verbal? He's like, March, yeah. April, oh, April. I know yeah. that's painful. Yeah. So, I can relate. so now we're, you know, October, November, December, like we're moving this, you know, it's almost a year in before you're rebuilding and establishing that credibility. It's a really great example of how all those relationships are interconnected and the movement and change that we're seeing in general in the marketplace and people just having more opportunity to move around, how those types of changes can set any opportunity back a quarter, two quarters, even longer. So just a good reminder for all of us to keep our awareness level up of where people are, our key people are moving around to. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of what I, where, where I wanted to go was to talk about what we're seeing is the sales cycle, especially for more complex sales. It's always been long. It's, to me, it seems like it's getting longer. I'm not sure if it's COVID or if it's just, you know, we're just coming out of the summer. So what are some things that you would recommend that salespeople do to kind of keep the deal alive, to keep in communication when you know it's going to be a long sales cycle? Yeah. And before I answer that question, I will tell you my, my longest COVID deal was 565 days. Mm. So it just, it just dragged a lot of things out, but it was also the power of perseverance and, and keeping in touch and knowing that you know you don't obviously don't put all of your eggs in one basket but you know that some of this stuff is going to come back around eventually and it did and it was it was a, it's been a very great opportunity to work with this client but i would say something really tactical that uh, kind of my my productivity hack for keeping things moving is to always have something on the calendar that's next with that client something that's in the calendar 
So every time I have ignored my own advice around this, I have regretted it because it can take months to get, get back on the calendar. So if I'm with a client, so I was just with a client last week, um, I was with a, a CEO and a chief growth officer. And so we were actually in person, the three of us met together. And before we left that meeting, so we decided, hey, we do need to talk about this again. Let's bring some ideas together. We put the next meeting on the calendar right then and there. That, that has saved me hours of frustration and emails and, and things slowing down. Yeah, we, we put that into practice too. And just like you, I'll sometimes forget. And as soon as I get off the call or the Zoom call, I'm like, oh no. And then you email and then it's like three weeks later and you're like, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and and this I learned a long time ago. I was a as a sales trainer, I worked with Lisa Peskin, who used to say it's one of my favorite things she would say all the time, which is you need to have a defined next step at the end of every step. And that just stuck in my head, not just a loosey-goosey next step, but and not even just in the calendar, but this is why we're in the calendar. This is exactly what we're going to cover on this meeting. And even potentially the consequences of putting it off, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a reason we have this time on the meeting and, you know, for you to make the goal that you said you want to reach, it's important that we handle this at this time. She also used to do, which I loved, which is the backwards timeline. You know, I don't know if you, yeah, where you start with, okay, here, if you want to get to here at this date, here are all the things we have to do. And then there yeah. were very specific, you know, we have to do this by this date or we're not going to make your timeline that you told me you had. So I anyway, love that. Yeah. Urgency. The urgency. Yeah. So what would your thoughts, Amy, be about a, a recap email after the meeting to say, okay, here's what we covered. This is the next steps to kind of keep that communication going. I love the recap email. Um, I've had a lot of success with it and I tend that I find to have even more success with it when I do it the same day. Mm-hmm. If I, 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 I will take down all the action items, what we're going to do next. Bren, I love that idea of here's what we're going to accomplish and the consequences of it not getting accomplished. But if I do it same day, it, I think it does a couple things. It goes back to that whole credibility piece that we were just talking about that, you know, we really walk our talk. Mm-hmm. Um, it, we can control the sales process better and we help them keep things straight. I can't tell you how many times where somebody says, thank you so much for sending that recap email. It, it was just concise and to the point and it, and it got everything. And I, now I can go back to this one place and see what we have going on next. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great stuff. I, I heard that on a podcast this morning. I'm like, hmm, I'm going to, I'm not sure we do a great job of that. That might be our next, like, Hey, let's, uh, right, up our game. Yeah. Are you leveraging video at all? And if so, in, in what way? Yes. 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 Sorry. yes, yes, yes. Um, no, I love video. Um, I actually have been, I've been on, on this kind of quest to outfit my office with you know, better sound and, and video. It's, it's not, it's, it, it's been one of my projects, but, um, but I do use video a lot and I will use it. Um, I use it all throughout the sales process. I use it in LinkedIn. I send videos straight through, uh, LinkedIn, uh, messenger. Um, I send them via email. And, and so I'll share this quick story. Um, there's a, a client that I have, I've been working with this client for probably four or five years now on a number of different initiatives. And they recently hired a chief growth officer of the firm. And they're, they're a big firm. And it, it's someone that I know, but I only know him kind of in my outer network ecosystem. I don't know him real well just yet. So I actually sent him a video message. Uh, just I did it through email. 
and uh, sent him a video message. And he responded back and he said, I think this is the first video email that I've ever gotten. And he's like, I have to tell you that I will always remember that you sent this video email because it reminds me, he's like, I'm gonna date myself. It reminds me of when we first started sending email and how new and innovative and different it is. So I'll always remember that you sent, sent this video. And I thought that was so cool. And, and video is one of those things that will differentiate your, you from, from everyone. It's instant. I wouldn't say it's instant credibility, but it does give that instant connection connection because yeah. you're able to look, look at the person. So you know, we, we love video. We love sending video messages on messenger. We do that a lot. So one thing I noticed, Amy, in a lot of your content, you're calling out Prezi mm -hmm. as, as your content. What is it about Prezi that you love so much? So, so Prezi had actually reached out to me, gosh, maybe a year or so ago to, to do some video work through them. And um, Prezi has this whole community and a contributors community, I guess, would be a good way to describe it. All different kinds of topics, not not just related related to business, because uh, what they want to do is, you know, bring people to their community. People watch videos on different topics that are of interest to them. So, so they reached out to me to create a series of videos. Um, I think I did a sales kickoff video. I did a couple of other series, and mm -hmm. it's just a it's a just a different type of presentation platform. Mm -hmm a more interactive, uh, I guess, uh, really amping up PowerPoint, if you will. So it was just experimenting with this with this different, unique platform to be able to share content. And I guess I'd call it a bit more of an interactive way. Yeah. I mean, I love these videos that you put yeah, out. One of my you. favorites was a few months ago on influencers and decision makers, so similar to a conversation that we had today. And I watch it and it's so professionally shot, like it's so amazing. And so you think, do you think salespeople could get a lot of value from? I do. Yeah, I do. I, and I think it's a mix. I'd be curious on your opinions on this too. I think there's a mix there. There's this, there's this great like authenticity to doing an imperfect video where it's like, you know, it's a minute, like, so the video that I mentioned to the chief growth officer, you know, it was, it was not perfect. It was just me basically having a converse one way conversation. And I, you know, just recorded it in zoom. Like a video That's one way. Basically, yeah, yeah, you got it. And then the the Prezi piece is definitely something that's more polished. It's you can uh, you can use it with in more I guess more formal presentation situations. But but I find that that type of tool, just something creative and different that you you can up your game, and then you can also share all of that socially. Yeah, and I, and I think there's a there's a place for both of those. You know, uh, I, I think there's a place for the unpolished. Look, I'm just doing this on my phone because I thought of you. And, and that's that more personal relationship and connection. But now, okay, I'm in a formal area of presentation. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna kind of up my game and make it more valuable and differentiate myself. So I, I think there's a, a place for that. Also. Yeah, and we talk a lot about, there's like kind of these three, there's one to many, which mm -hmm. is sort of these presentations. There's one to few where we're getting something into the inbox, maybe of just the CEOs, like specifically, very targeted and then one-to-one -one, which is what you talked about which is that video voicemail so i love that i love what everything you're doing um i know that we're going to wrap this up but i want to start by saying follow amy franco engage on her content uh, it will absolutely transform the way you sell yeah and so speaking of that amy how can how can folks get a hold of you i know they can find you on linkedin but what other ways can they connect with you 
Yeah, so so LinkedIn for sure. And then secondarily, um, amyfranco.com. You can engage with other content out there. You can can opt in for for ebooks, our mailing list. So that, that's the second place I would recommend people go. And yeah. go buy the book. The, yeah, modern, the book, the Amazon. Modern. Thank you, Bryn, my hype woman. I appreciate it. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Amy Franco, thank you so much for being on this episode of Making Sales Social. Thank you all for listening. And don't forget, as you're out and about this week, don't forget to make your sales social. Bye-bye, everyone. Thanks for listening and join us again for more special guest instructors bringing you marketing, sales training, and social selling strategies that will set you apart. Don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episodes from the Making Sales Social podcast. Leave a review down below. Tell us what you think, what you learned, and what you want to hear from us next. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Visit our website, socialsaleslink.com, for more information.